Welcome back. Hey. <laughs> Glad to be here. What we were talking about before would have been a weird, a weird start anyway. So <laughs> um, we have Cassandra back on the pod. Hello, everyone. Excited to be back. <laughs> She's back from her Texas adventures. We missed well, we've been talking a lot since you got back, but we we missed uh having you in the group chat and everything. Yeah, Cassandra absent from the GC. Yeah, I mean, a very rare occurrence. I feel like I'm usually the most annoying one in that chat. So it was kind of good to like give everyone a break, you know? Oh, I'm pretty annoying in it too. But yeah, I was I was like, wow, is the chat going to die without Cassandra? I was like, she can't move to Texas. <laughs> never, the chat won't work anymore. We kept it going. Me and Billy held it down. Yeah, no, I have full faith in everyone in the chat. <laughs> so I was telling A about the space I was in earlier with these, um, you know what this is, I'm sure, uh, eating disorder Twitter people, Ed Twitter. I've never, yeah, I've heard of it. I've, so like when I was in high school, I think I told you guys on a previous pod that I was like anorexic when I was like a teenager and I was on eating disorder Zanga, which is like, you know, like I feel like that's, that even predates Tumblr. But like I assume ED Twitter is like a successor of all of that. It is. Yeah. So I was on there with mutuals who I actually really like. Um, skinny girl liker. That's at evil M-A-X-X shooter. Wait, is and skinny girl liker a man? Yeah. Okay, so he's just there to like lurk on anorexic chicks. Oh well, get ready because I'll tell you about the whole thing. Because he like he's like there. liked some of my posts before, and I'm like, oh, I don't know about this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know, I know, I know him. I know who he is now, and he might come on the pod. But it's okay. fine. You can, you can insult him. No, I mean, I'm not. I'm not shading. I'm just saying, like when when I get a like from someone called Skinny Girl Liker, I'm like, are you fetishizing me? <laughs> oh well, get 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 ready because so and then I and then I, he's all he was in this space with Julia Cope, who's at Julian Copium, who I really like a lot. I I thought we've been mutuals for since before I was, since I had two hundred followers. She's been there along for the ride. But anyway, I went into his space last week and he was there, and it was all these like Catholic rad femme like young girls. I'm gonna use the word girls because they were like nineteen and twenty one. And then he was in there. I think he's in his early 20s, too. And they were just, like, ragging on him. Um, and I was like, wow, this is weird. And so then they, like, they were like, oh, let's get this guy, Q, this guy Q on. And they, like, put me on the speaker thing. And I was like, I kind of think you like this. Like, I think that you're here in, like, a humiliation <laughs> way. But then, it, like, le- but then it led to this whole... I was with them for like hours. Like I spent like three hours with these people. Um, the rabbit holes we I, go down I, for our art. <laughs> and I ended up really liking them. Um, and then I joined today when I got off work. They had been in, they had been in the space for like eight hours, and I joined at like hour eight. Um, and then all of a sudden, when I joined, like all these like New York, New Jersey area people began to join. Some of whom were my mutuals. Some of you were just randoms. And I was like, oh, maybe it's maybe the algorithm like threw this space at them or something because I, I don't know. I was like, why are they all here? But then this guy came on and he was like, 
my name's Angelino and I'm a trans bisexual non-binary. Like he was like, had this like whole long thing and he was like obviously trolling everyone. Um, and it was really funny. And then some, then some beloved mutuals came in like Joe who's at rail. Oh yeah. I like Joe. Yeah. Yeah. And we like, we like taught the kids some things, but I actually really like them and they're really sweet, but they do seem really lost. So my question is I've never been in a Twitter space before. I feel like I'm too old for that. Like, I'm like, it just baffles me. I don't know what it is. Like, A, have you been in a Twitter space before? No, well, I just popped into this one that Q was in <laughs> as I was putting my kid to bed and he like <laughs> tried to bring me in as a speaker or whatever. <laughs> um, I wanted them to meet you because I, I made them put Joe on the mic right away and he was immediately like really charming and they liked him and were asking him a lot of questions. And stuff, I feel so. like you're like Q, you're like the older brother of this chat. Like, you know, it's all these like young lost Zoomers and you're there to shepherd them. <laughs> I do feel like I felt protective of them after the three hours I spent with them. I really did. I was like, I was like, I need three hours is a long time. time. What were y'all talking about in this space? Well, they they were like, they went into this whole thing. All the girls were talking about the body, Cassandra's favorite topic, the body count, discourse. And they were, you know, they're also, they were also anxious about it. And I was like, oh, you shouldn't be, I was like, you guys shouldn't be anxious about it. I was like, it doesn't matter. Like, I was like, no one, I, no one, no one my age talks about that. And, And IRL, they talk about it maybe on Twitter, but I've never heard someone ask someone else there body count and I was like I've probably slept with like a hundred people I told them that and I was like it doesn't it doesn't matter like I was like I'm in I'm in a long-term relationship it's fine and they were like a hundred people and I was like well I'm gay and none of you are gay but yeah it's pretty joker me you wouldn't get it you're not gay (laughs) yeah (laughs) and then all the and then I was just like telling all the girls I was like you guys shouldn't you guys shouldn't stress so much about it it's fine like if you want to have sex it's fine like you guys are young, you're drinking, you're partying, it's going to happen, it's going to be part of your... I was trying to give them, like, calming statements. Well, I feel like it's sad, yeah. like, that people that age are so worried about this because it's been so astroturfed into, like, the Twitter discourse. And that's not me saying that, like, having drunken casual sex in college is, like, a good thing because, like, ultimately that's not, like, good for most people. But, like, it happens and I feel like, you know, yeah, as, as exactly you were saying, like when we were in college, this wasn't part of the discourse. So it's like something that we've kind of been thrown into like many years later, but I can't imagine dealing with like the vibe of what college is coupled with woke culture, coupled with like trad Twitter culture. Like I would be like, what the fuck? Like there's so many mixed messages here, you know? Yeah. They do seem like they have no idea what's going on, but I like, I like reassured them. I was like, Every woman that I'm friends with has like a body count like of like at least 15. I was like they're all fine guys. Like they all they, they all are okay. They're not like in some sad whore colony right. like <laughs> you know like Oh my god. I, like I, not a lot. I got an essay on Twitter like last year. I I might have mentioned this to you guys before. So like sorry if I'm repeating myself, but no, I like got in a fight with these guys. Who like one was like some trad Twitter guy or whatever, and he posted a video which was like a TikTok or whatever, and it was of these college students who were talking about like their sex count, but in like a positive way, and it was like gross. Like, don't get me wrong, like I wasn't like, oh, this is good, but it was like a TikTok of these like freshmen in college or whatever who had like a whiteboard in their dorm, and every time they would like have sex with a guy, they would like 
add a check to like the whiteboard and like it, like oh, I saw that yeah saw it was that. like you know they're like oh we're being slutty like whatever and it's like okay I'm not like condoning that I'm not saying that that's like spiritually a good thing or whatever but it's also like this shit happens and there's so many intersections of like you know like cultural messages that are going on that lead people to like doing stuff like that right and it doesn't mean that they're irredeemable forever just because they did that when they were 18 and these guys were like, these girls are like, you know, like they will never be able to pair bond for the rest of their lives. They'll never have a healthy relationship, like da, 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 whatever. And I was just like, I don't agree with that because like I've been to college. So haven't you all who are posting this, I assume. And like, I have plenty of friends who I knew who were like huge partiers in college who did stuff like that. And they're now in healthy relationships. Like, it's just like this really weird, reductive view on like human connection <laughs> yeah i was just reassuring all of them i was like guys no no sexual mistakes you make pretty much before the age of 25 are gonna like matter or anyone's gonna care in any meaningful way and i was like you're you the person you fall in love with is not gonna be like reject you for that if they're a cool chill person which is who you hope you end up with right like oh sorry your body count was like actually one higher than what I expected <laughs> and so like it's over like <laughs> yeah anyway it was just interesting to see to hear all of them um and then I learned the term wig knot because skinny girl liker is a wig knot I guess have you guys heard does this that term? mean white nationalist I think so <laughs> um I was sort of like trying to like <laughs> probe what that was about <laughs> i looked it up and all i got was the wikipedia page for australian uh australian far-right politics <laughs> but is he, is he australian or american yeah he's he's australian yeah um, okay interesting. he's a good looking kid i don't know it sounds like he's in some fucked up shit though like i was like asking him i was like he was talking to the girls about these like he's like yeah there's these girls that like you sleep with and they like won't even kiss you or like look at you but they want you to fuck them and i was like you need to not you need to not sleep with people like that i really i was like it was like 6 a.m and i was like guys like i need to halt all of this like <laughs> this is this these do not sound like good experiences <laughs> Like, on the one hand, I was telling the girls not to worry about being sluts. And then I was telling him, like, that sounds toxic. Like, you need to not. That's not a sexual experience you should have. Like, I was like, I don't know. Anyway, whatever. That's my first. That was my first experience with the Twitter space ever. So. Well, it sounds Urban like. Urban Dictionary says it stands for Uyghur Nationalist. <laughs> FYI. I mean, okay, fine. I, I can vibe with that. But yeah, Q, it sounds like you're doing the Lord's work. You're shepherding the children. Keep it up. Well, and so I felt I felt okay about it because Jul Julian Copium, Julia Cope is is not white. So I was and I've been her mutual for a long time. Cause for a second I was like, oh shit, am I in like a total Nazi space? <laughs> but but then I was like, she's here, so you know many, and many such cases. <laughs> Well, I, I did want to tell them about Basil. I wanted to be like, you guys, because they her and the guy had a really flirty thing going on. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I was like, you guys have a race play thing happening You need to take right the now. Basil pill. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow, that's a lot for the trad cast to handle. But um, So how do these 19-year-old trad cats, like, where are they coming from? Like, how do they get to this place? 
I mean, I think it's all, to be honest, I think it's like kind of, I'm just going to say it because I think it's true. I think it's like all downstream of like Dasha, basically. Mm. I think it's, I think it's just her Twitter. Like, I think she had that like, like she like spurged out to Catholicism like two years ago and it like spawned this like wave upon Twitter. I mean, it was, she kind of joined something that was already happening in New York City. But like, I think that she's the reason that these rando like, pretty like 19 year old girls are doing it i can't think of i mean they're anorexic and they're catholic i mean who's the (laughs) who who else could have caused it yeah i mean i still say though that even if that being the case like you can trace it to to her as the influencer there has to be some reason of like why it's kind of um, resonates with people you know yeah, I mean, I think it's probably I'm like sure you have some ideas, Cassandra. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I like, I think it's probably a rejection of like woke culture being so pervasive in those age groups in high schools and college campuses nowadays, which didn't exist when we were in high school. Like when we were in high school and college, it was kind of like raunch culture, like American Pie, Girls Gone Wild, like yeah. whatever. Like we were kind of in this weird liminal space. I think that was between all of that and like what would ultimately become like liberal woke culture. And so we kind of straddled like both of it at the same time. Um, but now like kids nowadays are just like totally indoctrinated. And so I think that there's like this reactionary impulse that it's like, if you don't agree with all of that, then you kind of have to go to like the complete opposite of it, which I don't think is like healthy necessarily, even speaking as someone who's like tangentially on that side of Twitter, but like, I don't know. I like I can totally see kids kind of like rejecting that as almost like the new co- counterculture. It is For the sure. new counterculture, absolutely. That's all it is. I mean, it's just the mainstream the 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 left-wing culture became mainstream. It went from like being the counterculture to becoming mainstream and so now the counterculture is is these people and that's all it is. The pendulum will swing again, I'm sure, in some other way. But that's that's where the that's where it is now. That's they think to them this is rebelling. To them, flirting with these right wing ideas is rebelling. Um, but I don't find. I mean, the thing is, is like you know, I was t- Joe was talking about this in the space because you know we're like older. All of like I think Joe's our age, and we're all in our thirties, and um he was like saying he's like he was he's he had, we should maybe have him on he was actually very similar to us a and this and you cassandra in the sense sense that he was like a li- he was a lib and then like he kind of had this like awakening around trans stuff and around covid kind of the very similar story whatever um but he was talking about how he's like the right wing is the only place where there's like interesting stuff happening because like the left wing has just like solidified into like these are the rules this is the thing this is the culture so he's like it's really boring so he's like it's just more fun to like flirt with the like right wing stuff but he's like i don't think that my politics have really fundamentally changed (laughs) he's like i still feel like i want like some type of socialism or something you know he's like and he but he also said he's like i don't think like you know, the people who are like histrionic, like we're approaching 1933. He's just like the material conditions aren't even like, it's not even like that. It's like this aesthetic, you know? And I think that's all these kids are playing with. I don't, I, I don't have any fears. They're going to usher in the fourth Reich or something, you know? No, yeah, not at all. And yeah, no, <laughs> I, I think that that's totally true. I mean, like, I feel like right now, like where the left or the liberals or whatever are at, 
you just can't say anything. Like people are afraid to say anything because like, what if it's problematic? So you can't even like make a joke. Like I totally get why then it kind of like, even in my own case, you know, leads you to then just being like, I'm going to join right wing Twitter and say slurs all the time because it's like, you know, like, it's like, it's the opposite of that. Like, okay, here's a example. And I probably like, shouldn't even be talking about this because it's like sort of embarrassing. But so I got my hair cut today, as I was telling you guys earlier it doesn't actually look that bad right now, like on camera. I was gonna, I was gonna tell you it looks fine. I was gonna. It tell looks you it fine. Looks I feel like if I shower and I like it style nice. myself, it might be fine. I don't know. Anyway, it's a whole thing. But when I went there, I needed to borrow a tampon because I forgot one. So I'm like, whatever. Talking about women shit on here now, but whatever. And so <laughs> I was like, oh shit, like I don't have a tampon. But then I was like, oh, everyone here is like a woman. So like someone's got to have one, you know, like everyone in the hair salon who worked there and was like a customer there was a woman. And so I was like, we're all girls here. Right. And then I was like, shit, I probably can't even say that. Like, you can't even say like some innocuous comment like that because probably like half the women there, like half of the women working there had like blue hair and like pronouns and bio and I'm like oh shit am I assuming their gender like (laughs) yeah anyway that's that's what the space is about I don't really recommend it I just I woke up really early because I went I went on that trip uh and then I like slept like for 16 hours and when I woke up it was like 5 30 a.m and I saw that I saw it and I was like I'm gonna do this so I did it from like 5 30 to 8 (laughs) 30 Doing the Lord's um, work. <laughs> I think that we could do a space with like our group chat at some point, which would be fun, maybe if we timed it right. I'd, I think I we'd get know, a lot I'm of down. That would be. Hilarious. I'd be down. I think it would be yeah. fun. I just have never done a space before, so I don't even know like what it entails. I like I don't know what it is. <laughs> it's like a podcast, but it's ephemeral. It's not recorded. You can record mm. them, but I think we would we would just not record them. Would be the ephemeral is my favorite word. I know that's a basic bitch thing to say, but I'm saying it. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a podcast, but ephemeral. It goes away. It's like, or I mean, I'm sure it doesn't go away. I'm sure it goes into like some NSA like database. But it goes <laughs> away for us. <laughs> that's all that matters. <laughs> yeah. How are you doing, A? Uh, I'm good. I mean, I'm fine. You know, a little exhausted. My car's not working. But, yeah, uh, I, I heard you. Had to go, you said you had to be at the tow truck. I was like, "What's that about?" Reading secrets or what is it called? Secret societies and psychological warfare while waiting for the tow truck. <laughs> what happened? So, Did you? Crash? Oh, nothing. No, no, the car just wouldn't start. Oh, where were you? You were. <laughs> you don't have to stop. Lost. Yeah. I was just like, I'm like, where were you alone with no babies or anything? But you don't have to say if you don't want to. Yeah, well, it was actually sort of a rescue mission for the babies who were out, but it's a whole deal. Yeah, Well, I will say I do like I've definitely like tweeted about this before, like in a memeified way, like it's never serious. But I love reading problematic books in public and then just being like, you know, like (laughs) reading this, like whatever it is, super problematic thing in public and nodding my head vigorously. So everyone knows I agree. And it's like, okay, obviously, like I'm not doing that. And like no one's looking at what book I'm reading anyway. But I, but yeah, I will exactly. say, whenever you do read a, a book like that in public, I just find it entertaining. <laughs> your uh, weather looks beautiful, Cassandra, behind you. Oh. I'm, like, jealous of your, like, window situation you have. Oh, yeah. I do have 
I do have really nice windows in this apartment. That's like one thing that like when I took the apartment, I was so excited by because they're fucking massive because this building, I, I, I won't say what the building used to be because then maybe I'm doxing my location too much, but the building used to be like a really cool building like way back in the day and then they converted it into condos. And so we have these like huge fucking windows and like kind of like warehousey windows, I guess. That is one thing that I will significantly miss when I move out of this apartment. Like I'm kind of over Florida at this point, but I mean, I like Florida. It's nice, but I'm, I'm ready to move on, but I'll miss the windows. <laughs> it just looks pretty outside. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. It's I'm sick. sure you can find windows in Texas. <laughs> we'll see. Everything is bigger in Texas. That's what they say. The big, beautiful Texas sunsets. That's a stereotype. <laughs> I wouldn't know, but I'll take your word for it. <laughs> um, should we do, do we have a, a docket? We don't really have a docket. We had some vague ideas. Talking about spaces and places. <laughs> <laughs> Psychogeography. Okay. I have one to throw at you guys that you probably haven't even seen yet if you want just initial reactions it's not it's not weird i promise <laughs> what do you guys think about matt gates and aoc introducing that bill that the members of congress can't trade or own stocks <laughs> no chance of that passing but I, I support it what's up with their bipartisan matt gates and aoc what's up with that that seems weird right wasn't there? They're both like the fake social media like politicians, you know. They're just like teaming up. But yeah, I get. I thought he was problematic for some. No, reason. he is. Like I'm pretty sure, like he was yeah. like people were saying he was like a pedophile or something. I don't know. I don't. Yeah. He, slept, he slept with. He slept with a 17 year old. I mean, I'm. I, I'm not saying that doesn't make him. I'm not defending him, but that's what. The, that's what he did. Yeah. He did. No, do I'm that. like I don't. I don't even know. Like I've been so out of the loop, so I didn't even know that that bill existed. But from what I recall, wasn't there like a couple months ago, there was like something going on in the government or whatever, where like, like AOC and him were like flirting on camera, like maybe they're dating. <laughs> <laughs> well, people love, uh, people love to say that about. I thought AOC. she has that like beta ginger boyfriend. No, I know. But there was like this one clip of like, I can't remember what it was, some government thing. Like, I, honestly, I've been kind of logged off from like politics for a little bit, but there was like some clip and it was like him sitting there and then AOC was like right in front of him. And it, like they were standing really close together and everyone was like, oh, what's going on here? Like flipping her hair or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I just, I just, everyone's like tweeting about it. And I'm like, I don't know. Do you guys want to? I was so busy today with like my actual job, which I always resent. Like, I'm always like, oh my God, I can't believe I actually have to like do the job that I'm getting paid for instead of like sitting on Twitter. <laughs> so I've like, like if there's any like news discourse like that, that happened today, I missed it. I'm happy to like chime in with my ignorant thoughts, but I missed it. I was just curious what I mean, I didn't realize that that was I, I guess A is right. It just, I was just, online. I hadn't I didn't see anything stunt. about this, but it just happened. So like okay. maybe it is like a total publicity stunt or it's like distracting from something like horrific that's gonna happen in the next hour. Oh my god, don't say that. <laughs> I can't deal with it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't know anything about it other than that if if it's really like a ban on stock trading for congressmen, then it definitely won't pass. <laughs> 
Well, Nancy Pelosi retweeted it and was like, I support this, but that probably doesn't really, I mean, she has like tons of. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, bitch. Okay. Like if she supports it, then she's just going to like secretly do it from like some other account. So Exactly. Yeah. That was that whole like meme. Like there was a Twitter account about like Nancy Pelosi's stock trades or whatever. Yeah. The problem is, is they can't really even, even if they, even if they did that um, in like a real way, nothing would stop them from their kids trading stocks and people very close to them trading stocks and probably even their spouses. Right. I mean, there just wouldn't be, there wouldn't be any way to really like stop them from moving money through the market. But I don't think they even really want to jump through those hoops and I don't, they're they're just not going to pass. I would be, call me back when it passes. I'll put it that way, I guess. Yeah. No, I was just an interesting little social media thing that was happening right at the moment. We could talk about nostalgia, though. Do you guys want to? Do you guys want to talk about nostalgia? I always love to talk about nostalgia. Yeah. Do you want to say the idea that we were percolating on, Cassandra, that brought us to this? I feel like I'm going to say it wrong, so you should say it. <laughs> okay, fine. I'll say it. Oh, I was just talking about. We were talking about, well, Cassandra's moving, and we were talking about how, um, well, I guess we we won't, I guess we should try to do as little doxing as possible, but you're moving to a place in Texas that A and I have spent, spent a lot of time. Maybe you posted I about it. I definitely posted about it, and like multiple people yeah. have now like messaged me about it, so it's not really a secret. <laughs> okay, so you moved to, you're moving to Austin, and we've spent a lot of time in Austin, and we were talking about, I was talking to you about like, the way that Austin used to be like the, the, I feel like one thing that's true there, which is true in every big city is that people, and I don't know if it's true in Chicago, eh? you can enlighten us, but one thing that's true in like every big city I've ever been to is like, people are constantly referencing some like imagined past, you know? And that's something I feel like is a thing in Austin. And I was sort of just telling you, Cassandra, about what Austin's imagined past is. That's really what the conversation was. I was just saying, this is what I've heard, the types of things I've heard people say. And then that kind of like spun out into like a broader conversation about how cities kind of like are fueled by this kind of, it was always better just a little bit before you got here. It was always better, like maybe a couple decades before you got here, you know? Um, And obviously New York has a ton of a ton of that as well of course everyone's always glorifying various eras of new york and it's always like new york's over this city's over that city's over you know and it's like um yeah i don't know it's like it's they're constantly just looking back and i just i think that that's an interesting thing about big cities um and i don't ever hear that about small towns or smaller places. It seems like a big city phenomenon, you know? Is it like that in Chicago, A? Eh? Is there an imagined past, a better time? Uh, there is. I mean, not in the same way as with New York or, um, yeah, even Austin, really. I don't know. I mean, Chicago's weird. I mean, it used to be, a, the, you know, second city or whatever. So now it's it's not the second largest city anymore. It's third, I think. So I guess there was that time when it was more like, you know, hip hop and happening or whatever, you know. But that was like a long time ago. My dad used to live in <laughs> Chicago. He, my parents actually lived in Chicago for like a year. Um, like right before they had me, I think like when my mom was like pregnant with me, maybe they were living in Chicago and then they moved to Massachusetts. 
And I was, as a kid, I was always like really mad about that. I was like, you should have stayed in Chicago. It sounds way cooler. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I love Chicago and like, I, I, I always thought it was cool. Part of what I liked it was that it didn't have the, that kind of like hyped up mythology about it. It was kind of like, I don't know. People are just like doing their thing and not just like masturbating all over themselves, you know? (laughs) I mean, I think it's funny because one thing I'll say about Chicago is if you think about like very like mythology books, like The Great Gatsby and things like American mythos, it's like Chicago is always the place that like, like in The Great Gatsby, it's like the place like they left the wholesome place they left (laughs) to go be corrupted. You know, that's like Chicago's like, that's that's how it's like. Chicago? Sort of. Chicago is like land of the corrupt. I mean, Al Capone. I know. I'm just saying they like they. That's that is how they talk about it in that book. I guess mm-hmm. that one book. But yeah, of course, it was like run by the mob and all that. No, but I think I, I know what you're saying, Q. Like, I feel like there's this like Midwest wholesomeness that gets assigned to places like Chicago, <laughs> whereas like you know, like places on the East Coast or the West Coast or whatever, like have more of a decadent vibe, I guess, in the way that they're portrayed mm-hmm. in media. That's definitely the stereotype, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, I think I, I agree with that. I think Chicago feels like whenever when I go there, one thing I find um really relaxing about it is that I think it feels uh unpretentious. Mm-hmm. Like literally it feels that way when you're there. I haven't been to Chicago day. in a long time. The last time that I went to Chicago was like 11 years ago, I think. Um cuz I I've posted about this before, so it's not a total dox. But I used to work on a small cruise line and it went from New York City up the Erie Canal and into the Great Lakes. And so we stopped in like Detroit and Chicago and like various places like kind of around there, Michigan, Ohio, like whatever. Um, And so I went to Chicago a few times then, but I was only 19 at the time. So I never really like went out. I've never been like an adult properly in Chicago. Nightlife or whatever. Yeah. 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 And I mean, to me, to me, the biggest thing of in terms of like a, a longed for past era is just kind of like pre-COVID. <laughs> yeah, which I would say is probably true for New York, too. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I was actually thinking I, I was thinking about going like having things actually back to the way they were before and what that would take <laughs> recently. And I was thinking about how no one I know who's like a corporate person like has gone back to the office basically. Um, And I was like wondering if like people who want kind of a pre COVID world, like can like, is that a good thing to be like advocating for? But then I'm like, what policy would you even advocate for? Like, would you, would you advocate for like, incentives for people who have in person workplaces? And then the problem is, is like, if you do that, the first thing you have to get rid of is all the, like, the kids at school having to quarantine for, like, five or ten days or whatever. If they get, co- you know what I mean? You have to get rid of this other thing first, because part of the reason people want to be home is because of that, you know? Yeah. Know. Well, and and I think a lot of the people who value that just left, you know? like Left that, the big, big city. Yeah, left the cities. And so, and, like, went to other places. Like, Basically, what I'm thinking of is like anyone that I know now who like goes into the office is like in Texas, you know, like they went somewhere where the culture 
still was to go in the office. And so everybody who's left in the cities is just like the people who were like down to work from home or whatever, which I, I include myself in, you know. I don't really miss going into the office personally. Right. Like, I feel like I have a weird, like, perception on all of this because I do think it is good to, like, go into the office. And, like, sometimes when I think about, like, my career, like, prior to COVID, like, I miss that because I did actually have, like, genuine friends that I met at work. Like, some of my close friends are people that I met through work. And I do miss, like, I I definitely was, like, more productive sometimes in the office whereas at home like it's like they don't know what I'm doing like you know whatever um so like I do think that it's like good and I think that like this fake email job bubble is obviously going to burst they can't afford to keep paying people all of this money to do nothing or not nothing but almost like you know like like a fraction of what we're supposed to be doing and like whatever Oh, yeah. it's su- subsidized. I, in my opinion, it is almost like an, an intentional calculation on some level. Like we need to give these fake jobs to a certain percentage of the population so that they'll like keep like believing that like the government is good and that we sh- should vote <laughs> the economy. No, no, no. I, 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 I Sandra, I'm. I'm sorry. I just want to say, I, I wanted to let you guys cook for a second, but I'm getting this message that your high quality audio stream has stopped or something. Oh no. Did you, did you adjust something or, I, I mean, I, I, it, I turned I, my video still, off for a second, but my audio is still on and it's still working for me. Okay. All right. I think it's, it's, ca- it it's looks, capture. It's capturing yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I just, I keep getting, it keeps popping up. I'll just keep closing okay, it out. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah. No, no, no. Don't, don't worry about it. I just wanted to make sure that like nothing and I don't know. Your low quality um, audio is showing, Cassandra. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me how it works. I mean, I do feel like a little like bitter about it because I'm like obviously like, you know, public employees have been back for years now. But I also recognize that part of the reason people had to be home in corporate jobs was because uh public employees stopped going to work so there was nowhere to put your kids and there was no trains to get on and there was no buses to get on and you know yeah and I mean for me I do think that like in theory I would prefer working in the office but I think I would probably prefer like a hybrid model or whatever and I'm not even like against that like I think most jobs now that I've seen like I've been in my job now for like a year and a half and I'm not looking for another one. Like I just kind of want to stay in my easy job as long as I can. But um, like most of my friends who are looking for jobs these days, most of them say that they're hybrid. So you do kind of have to be in the area. Like not all of them are hundred percent remote the way that they were in like the height of COVID or even like a year after. Um but yeah, like- yeah, my my partner's like that. Like we can't just like like we've talked about it and I'm like, you're home ninety five percent of the time. Like could like could we go live in like New Mexico or whatever, you know? And it's not quite that because he does have to go sometimes. You know what I mean? So it's like you do have to be they're still tethering people to like <laughs> the general area. I feel like a lot of companies. Right. And that's part of why I didn't want to leave my job. Like I, when I had that whole discourse, like with you guys and on Twitter and stuff, I think we talked about it on the last pod, but like how I like got a promotion or whatever. I didn't want the promotion. I wanted to keep my job as easy as it was before. 
But I just knew that if I didn't take this promotion, it would give me less job security. And then if I had to find another job, like then I don't want one that's going to tether me to a place because selfishly, I like didn't want to stay in Florida and I wanted to figure out a new place to live. So for me, like selfishly, like all of this has been like a huge boon because it's like, okay, I can live in whatever city that I want and keep my job and so on and so forth. But that doesn't mean that I think it's like a net positive, like for society. (laughs) Do you think the like regime or whatever, like wants like the cities to fail? Like, cause that's, I mean, like ultimately, like I don't see how like cities like New York and Chicago and maybe even LA, like to an extent, like can survive if their office spaces stay totally empty like it's just it's gonna drain the city of money and and talent and things like that so I I don't know like do you think it's do you think that was part of COVID or they're just fine if it does fail like I I just I'm just kind of wondering what the like plan is because I don't know what happens if if cities just degrade to the point where anyone who can afford to doesn't live there anymore well like then what so during COVID like during the height of COVID there was all of that like fucking like world economic forum like videos and shit about like 15 minute cities and you know like how they're going to repurpose like spaces and stuff and i'm not saying that this is like necessarily quote unquote like the cabal's plan or like what's going to happen but it's definitely like you know a thing that has been presented as like oh covid is like our chance to reimagine like how we live and work and so on and so forth And I remember like in 2021 at one point seeing a World Economic Forum video that was like, I think it was about 15 minute cities and about how like great they would be if you could have everything 15 minutes like from your doorstep. And it's like, okay, like I'm not against that. Like in theory, like in theory, I think walkable cities are a great thing and it would be awesome to have like all the resources that you need without needing a car, but that's just not like the reality. And I think that if it gets astroturfed in, then it's like really to serve someone else's ends rather than like, you know, for like the organic benefit of the people. But anyway, in, in that video, they were talking about how like, office spaces could all be repurposed into being like communal office spaces. And even to the extent that your apartment would get repurposed into a communal office space. And like, you know, it's kind of that whole, like the end result of like, you'll own nothing and be happy, like stick, whatever. Right. So it was like, Oh, okay. So you're like renting your apartment. You, you also own nothing in your apartment. So like the stuff that you have in your apartment, like your blender or, Like you're like, no, literally they were talking about kitchen appliances. Like it was like your food processor, like whatever. You don't even own that in this weird video. Like it was like, uh, you, you rent everything, everything that you use, you rent, you only use it as needed. And then when you're not using it, someone else is using it and they extrapolated it to the extent. And this was all with like a little like fun, like soundtrack behind it. Like it was supposed to like seem really progressive and cool. But it was like, oh, yeah, like when you're not in your apartment, someone can use it as like a conference room. Like it was like it was very bizarre. Yeah, like they'll have meet business meetings in your apartment yeah. while you're gone at work. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not down with that. Like, you know, like I, I could get on board with some of the like, you know, oh, I'm glad that we'll have all these amenities in, in a 15 minute walk of my apartment. But like, I don't want anyone having a conference in my bedroom. <laughs> 
Yeah. I don't want to share a blender with another person. No, right. like have, order up a blender every time you need to make it. They like a robot like drones it into your window. Yeah, it was like that. It was like it was like the Uber Eats of like <laughs> the Uber Eatsification of like everything. Like I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, and they definitely don't want people that owning cars. That to me is oddly and they make it as expensive and, and difficult as possible they like this site and because like car is is freedom like you can go anywhere if you have a car you know anywhere that's i guess like on land on a land mass. yeah but you can like get an i mean like with the highway system that was like kind of what made america america i would argue not to get all nationalistic about our yeah you're such a wig <laughs> <laughs> our our elite pedophile uh country that we live in but like you know that was that the highway system is is what um yeah it's what made america america like i loved that i loved when i lived in the south that i could in texas that i could get on 35 and i was like god this road goes all the way to canada you know i never got farther than oklahoma but like i could have you know like i could have just kept i could have just kept driving until i No, i'm so glad that you said that because i think that that ties in so much to what you were saying before about like nostalgia because i feel like like for me like i grew up in massachusetts like i grew up in like a coastal community like whatever live fucking whatever but I feel like there is this weird like romanticism that cylinders and like I still feel it about America that's like yeah and it's so tied into the highway system the fact that you can literally take highways all the way from the east coast to the west coast and like north to south and whatever and like there's something really like beautiful and nostalgic and romantic about that and yeah like as a kid I constantly like dreamed of going on like the great american road trip you know and so it's like if that's something that they don't want us to have but that's something that's so quintessentially americana you know like that is like a part of our national identity yeah it's very it's very novelistic and that's like the you know the great american novel is always involves some sort of travel across a highway at least the ones that they like you know um the ones that they try to posit. What were you going to say? On, well, yeah, I was going to say, on the other hand, you have Pool House's theory about like r- the occult origins of Route 66 or whatever. Well, I was actually going to, I was actually going to throw some occult, I was going to sprinkle some occult stuff into this because I just finished Program to Kill, which A offhandedly told me to read and I actually, <laughs> I actually read cover to cover. Um, what are did you, you familiar think of with, it? Uh, are you are you familiar with it, Cassandra? At I've all? heard of it actually. When I was in Austin, one of my other Twitter mutuals recommended that I read it. Um, so it's on my reading list, but I have not read it. But I like vaguely know what it's about. So please, red pill me. Well, it's really it's scary, and, and the highways comes in because it's about serial killers and serial killers, quote unquote, famously that the mythos of the serial killer is that they. Uh, they, you know, because everyone was like, well, how, how come there weren't serial killers before 19, you know, 60 or whatever? And it's like, well, they couldn't operate. You couldn't just get as far as you would need to get until there was the highway system. Right. So that's like kind of like what the that's kind of like what the like government, like that's like what the FBI's like theory is of like why there's all these serial killers. Right. But really, this book makes the claim that, um, you know, basically the U.S., um, in Vietnam through this thing called Project Phoenix, like trained 
essentially all these serial killers and that's what they were supposed to be doing in Vietnam. And they did do that. Project Phoenix is real. Like they did go into these villages. They did abduct, um, you know, women, children, whoever they did ritually, ritualistically mutilate them and like display them in, in parts of the village that people would see to kind of like demoralize the enemy. And then the CIA, and this, this is the stuff I'm saying now is like factually true. Then the CIA, like, transported those methods all throughout South America when they were kind of doing the regime change thing throughout South America. And they trained all the people down there in these same practices. They're like, this is how you demoralize a people. This is how you control a people. This is how you make people so scared that they'll do whatever you want. So all of the like, you know, it's funny that like the leftists are so like pro-government now because the CIA just mowed through South America and killed all the leftists. Same thing that happened in Indonesia. Anyway, the point is, is that like the book basically posits they're doing it here too. Um, And that like the mass killing serial killer phenomenon was just imported into the U.S. for the exact same reasons it was used in Vietnam and all through South America and all through all these other places. And that the government is like manufacturing serial killers essentially in all these different ways. And um, the goal is just to create like a kind of like palpable tension and fear throughout the country at like all times and that like most serial killers if you like look at like the actual evidence like there's very little evidence that they committed the amount of crimes that it says they committed and usually like anyway the book posits again i'm gonna keep saying the book posits that they're often just patsies for kind of this like you know interlocking system of um yeah, government agencies that are trying to just, like, freak people the fuck out. Um, How do you think that, that think... ties in, not to interject, but just curious? No, go ahead. That's, that's, that's the thesis. That That's the basic thesis. How do you think that ties into, like, the liberal fascination with, like, true crime? Yeah, that's interesting. Well, that's exactly – I mean, they said that, like, that's the component, that's the very Americanized component of it is that – they um they make these people well they kill them usually um but then they like they execute them but then they make them um heroes and celebrities right and they kind of like they like filter it throughout the media and that's another way of like kind of programming and conditioning more people to think it's like an interesting thing to do or whatever or to get people involved and almost every serial killer like the really famous ones have military connections, were in the military, spent time in the military. Almost all of them spent time in military psychiatric hospitals. That's so it's just really, yeah. <laughs> so it's just, it's really shady. It's like, why, why are like almost all these serial killers, these men, like, why were they all, um, yeah, in these like military psych hospitals? That's super weird. And then there was like this other component where it's like, you know, people, the government is involved in like, like ritualistic killing for their own like it basically posits that some people in the government like do believe that like ritualistically killing will give them uh power or something and that's the that's the part that i was like that's really scary if that's true but i'm like that's the less that's the more difficult part to prove right i totally believe the government would like terrify the population to control them i'm oh, like i mean that's proven I, they did like they openly yeah. did that during COVID. <laughs> they said that they wanted to do that so yeah no that's a hundred percent true but yeah no i believe in the rest of it too though <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, the rest of it, I'm like, I believe it. But like, you know, there's less, it's more difficult to prove that they like actually want to, uh, you know, like participate. I, I'm The thing is, the thing that the book leaves open is that I'm sure it's possible that there are people who believe that and there are people in the government who do do that. Not everyone in the, not everyone in the government has to believe that for that to be happening, you know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like why wouldn't hill dog why wouldn't hillary clinton throw in a ritual murder here and there you know i mean she's definitely got her own body count discourse yeah that's what the book's about <laughs> um it's interesting i don't know it's it was an interesting thought experiment to think about it um, I did think the, I did, I, I was posting, I was schizo posting a lot about how the Met Gala happened on, uh, <laughs> what was it? Oh, this is, this, he talked about this a lot in the book, Walpurkis Night. Do you guys know about that? <laughs> I, I, Do you know about I, it? I no, no. <laughs> it's one of the biggest holidays in the occult calendar. Interesting. And, um. I'm gonna send it to you. Because those photos that you showed from the uh, Met Gala were. Yeah, I'm gonna send them to you, Cassandra. Go look at these. Um, these were like, anyway. So it happened on like one of the biggest nights of the occult calendar, and then the New York Times published this like photo diary of the night, and it looks crazy. Like not in like a like I I don't even understand why they lit them. Like yeah, that. no, this is disturbing. Well, it looks like, like a horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> well it's like that weird biden speech where they had the crazy like red lights behind him and shit like why you know i don't know it was just anyway so like so Wal- walpurgis night is like one of the like a uh, main occult uh nights like in the calendar of the of like um satanic people who actually believe in satanism and uh it had the met happen too that was weird oh yeah i mean i feel like that dark brandon thing like fits into exactly what a was saying like i feel like when they did that whole weird biden speech that was like lit up with all that red they were leaning into that like dark brandon aesthetic uh-huh. so. but what do you think the goal of that was like do you think that like they were do you think that like his people think that that's was like I don't know. I, that was so weird to me because I was like, does he think it's what is the signal there? What, what do you imagine the signal? Well, is there? I, to me, it was kind of like, I, I mean, I, I, I'm still kind of mystified by it, to be honest. But I my thought would be that, like, on the one hand, they're they're Yeah. Like kind of like trying to antagonize all the people like us who are like, oh, this shit is weird. Like they're like satanic pedophiles or whatever. And then on the and you know, on the other hand, it just kind of a uh, like for the libs or whatever the actual like people who are watching that shit for real. It's just like because he was talking about like MAGA being the end of democracy or whatever. It was right before the midterms, and so it was like just kind of like doom and gloom. Like this is we're in like a dark time, and like you need to like go vote to make it better. Yeah, and I think, like, in addition to that, like, it's, like, plugging into this, like, meme culture of it all, where it's, like, 
I think they know that like the kind of like leftist meme cults on Twitter will like plug into that and think it's funny. So it's like, I don't know. I just feel like, you know, whoever's on his team, who's terminally online, like they know that like, this is going to get eyeballs on it, whether it's people from the right saying that it's satanic or people from the left, like thinking it's funny. And yeah, I don't know. Do leftists even know what Dark Brandon is? Well, like terminally online leftists do. Yeah, Yeah. I feel like they kind of started it in or almost right. Like they kind of made it like it's like they're kind of trying to troll like the white right wing. Yeah, yeah. It was like Dark Maga was like the first thing, and it was like you know all these kind of like right wing accounts and Trump memes or whatever that had like the laser eyes, and then Dark Brandon was like a successor to that, but it was kind of created by the left. That was very bizarre. I was like, what is that? What is going on? What are, What is the joke? Like, I just, it really upset me because I, I didn't, not in like a like, I'm offended. I don't care. But I just was like, what is, it's, it's weird. It just felt like an uncanny moment, you know? The left can't meme. Yeah. No, they can't. That's, yeah, like the one true reality we can all agree on. <laughs> Yeah, I just, yeah, it's interesting because, like, one thing, I guess, on the nostalgia, since we're, like, kind of centering everything in this episode around nostalgia, one thing that I think is interesting, too, is that Trump's campaign was so based around nostalgia, right? Like, make America great again. (laughs) And the Democrats never, the Democrats almost, like, as a rule, it's, like, you cannot be nostalgic because it's, like, offensive to be nostalgic, right? (laughs) Right, You need to constantly be progressing. You need to constantly be looking at the future. And, like, that means that you can't look back. Yeah, like, I remember saying to a lib friend, I was, like, uh, I was, like, I don't, you know, I was, like, I don't know. It seems like things were simpler in X, Y, and Z time. And she was, like, oh, when when black people had no rights, (laughs) you know? And I'm, like, oh, I I guess you're right. Simpler for white for white people um but i do agree with i think i don't know who said it in the group chat but like that probably outside of the south where obviously there was like an apartheid state going on but probably outside of the south race relations were likely better in a lot of places well uh, yeah i mean in the even 70s just and like 80s black people were in, in some sense just objectively like materially better off you know yeah I mean, I think poor white people too, probably. But, yeah. yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah. like now, if they're like actively stoking race tensions, like intentionally, which they're obviously doing, like that's like like the government is intentionally stoking race tensions. The mainstream media is doing the same. So of course, that's going to like cause a wedge between social groups that didn't necessarily exist as much before. Like that's not to say that like oh there wasn't segregation before, there wasn't this and that, but. Yeah, like, I feel like things were more organic before, I guess, in terms of, like, relations between social groups. And now it's, like, very astroturfed. Yeah, we're talking about, also to be clear, like, I feel like we're, we're all referencing outside of, like, Jim Crow South. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. In, like, in, in northern in, cities or whatever. In the northern cities in the last couple of, in the more recent decades. Obviously, we're not talking about, like, the 1800s, you know? <laughs> but, like, yeah, like, in six the decades that our parents and we were alive in, it seems like outside of that one geographic region of America, 
things might have actually been better than they are now because now they seem really bad. Well, if you're constantly and this is kind of the same thing with like feminism and like all kind of ideologies that center yourself as like a victim or an oppressor or whatever. Like if you are constantly being told that you are like the victim and you're being oppressed, you you know, start to see yourself as that way or you start to see other people as the enemy and that colors your worldview and like creates obvious tribalism like that's that's just human nature and like you know back in the day I used to be a like a radical feminist as we've talked about before like many many moons ago and yeah like when I was like deep in that ideology I was like oh my god like all men are terrible like you know like all of this stuff that's like so hyperbolic and so ridiculous but you start to believe it like if you're told something enough you start to believe it and like, I mean, it's just common sense that, like, if the government and schools and media are constantly, like, pitting races against each other, it's going to cause racial tension. Like, there's, like, that. It, that's clearly the intent. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, ob- that should be obvious. Like, but yeah, like, regardless of what, if you think that, you know, like, racial inequality is a real problem, like, I, I agree that it, that it is, but, like, um, you can't, in my opinion, really deny that like it is being used in that way as a like some as same as red, you know, red versus blue Democrats, Republicans. It's just like getting you like finger pointing at other people and not, you know, like even people who maybe their like um, interests are actually pretty similar to yours, you know, in comparison with like the people who actually like control. Right. Like ultimately, we all probably want broadly the same things i know that like that's not universally the case but like ultimately like we do have more in common than we don't and yeah like it's like the powers that be that are benefiting from people being so polarized and tribalized and it was yeah it's the same thing with like all the radical feminism stuff you know like it like by making you know women believe that like men are the enemy then you can't really find common ground between like the sexes like none of this is good ultimately like all of this is like very demoralizing and I think that that's kind of the ultimate goal like is that everyone's just kind of atomized demoralized doesn't have community and yeah yeah I don't know yeah I agree um I used to be a really nostalgic person. I feel like it's faded with age, which is funny. It seems like it should be more potent with age, but No, I agree well, with you. I feel like same. When I was younger, I was way more nostalgic, almost for like a life that I didn't have, if that makes sense. Like I was like a nostalgic yeah, totally. for like a life that I didn't live, but I wish that I did or, you know. Yeah, and now that I'm like old enough, I'm like I'm not actually nostalgic for my younger self because my younger <laughs> self was like less knowledgeable and less like you know like le- understood things a lot less. So I don't actually have any real nostalgia. For... I don't have nostalgia for <laughs> my like younger I... self because my younger self is fucking retarded. But I feel like I have nostalgia yeah. for like other things that maybe my younger self like wanted. You know? No, I that I. A hundred percent relate to what you're saying. I'm not disagreeing with you at all. Like, I definitely feel like all my nostalgia was more pining for something that I actually never had, and it felt something like nostalgia, but you know, it wasn't ever real. Which is kind of what I think the city things is. Like, I was I was talking to bringing it full circle. I'm really good at that. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like talking with someone on Twitter who was like saying like, "Oh, New York, New York City is like." 
just like trust fund is just for trust fund kids and bankers. And I was like, bro, like, did you ever think it or like now he used the term now. And I was like, did you ever think it wasn't like all of these times that you, that people mythologize, I'm like, you don't think Andy Warhol's The Factory was trust fund kids? Like, that's exactly what it yeah, was. It was like the you dime I mean? square like, of the 60s. <laughs> yeah, that was like the dime square of the 60s. I'm like, it's always been wealth. Like, all the, like, mytho- most of the mythology stuff, for the most part, has always, at least as far as, like, New York goes, has always been, like, wealthy people. And yeah, there are there are things that came out of New York, like, that were not from wealthier communities, like hip-hop and stuff like that. But, like, a lot of the mythology is, I, I was just like laughing. I was like, you don't think it's always been that? Like, it's always, it's always kind of been that. It's always been those people. It's like that meme. Um, it's like always has been. <laughs> yeah. So I was just like, it was like such a funny own. I was like, yeah, like, pe- like rich people live in New York and Wall Street is here. What do you, what do you, what is the own there exactly? That's, it's always been the case, you know? <laughs> I don't know. It was just, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I lived in London for a long time um, in my 20s. Like, I moved there when I was 20, and I moved back when I was 29. And, like, so I spent a lot of time there. Like, there was a couple years in in between that I, like, was back in the U.S. for a bit. But I, like, so romanticized, like, this idea of the U.K., not necessarily in, like, an Anglophile weird way maybe a little bit I don't know like maybe as a teenager but like when I was there it wasn't that it was more like I grew up there I kind of like came into my own there as an adult like that's like where I learned how to become an adult and then I felt really like I've almost like bereft and nostalgic for something that I had never had because all my friends had grown up there and I hadn't and like I don't know so I really romanticized that and I think London is a very similar city to New York in that regard like Like a major metropolitan city that has so much mythology around it and so much culture and like so much stuff that's been written about it. And yeah, I mythologized it for a very, very, very long time. Like it's it's only like in recent years that I feel like I kind of like became more like normal and adult about the way that I saw my time in the UK. I don't really know where I'm going with this. I'm just saying that I experienced that. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's, yeah, there's not much to say about it. It's just, it's, it's a, it's a thing. I have nostalgia for the pre-indoor smoking ban. <laughs> well, hey, you need to come to Florida because we have plenty of dive bars here. There's a law in Florida that it's like, I'm pretty sure it's like, if your bar doesn't serve food, you legally can allow smoking. <laughs> and so there's plenty oh. of bars in my city that you can smoke in, so... <laughs> <laughs> do you feel the need a to to manufacture like experiences that will engender nostalgia for your children <laughs> um yeah well i was just thinking about how well like when y'all were talking about how you'd experience nostalgia kind of less than you used to that i definitely agree with that but i was thinking about like why and i feel like i i don't fully like no but like what I was thinking about is like there's I I feel more of just an obligation to kind of focus on the future and like or like 
just like yeah trying to let almost like you said like i don't know not necessarily experience nostalgia for my kids but just like to manifest like a world that and thinking putting more energy into that than like just looking backwards and being like oh i miss that you know yeah. Do you feel like you're going to be like, oh, they grow up so fast, like in five years? <laughs> so you think you're going to be kind of excited? I mean, literally older. everyone says that, that like that <laughs> all the like older like parents, like literally they all without exception say that to me. So I assume I will feel that at some point. But uh, once I start getting some sleep again and stuff. <laughs> you'll miss the the dog days the dog the dog days of dad i mean they are insanely adorable at this age so that is like the payoff but yeah my dad and i are super super close like he's like one of my best friends he lives in my city right now and like we hang out all the time and he always says that like as much as he loved being a dad you know when we were because i'm one of four girls so like when we were kids and we were all growing up obviously it was like cute and stuff and like he it's not that he didn't like that but he he does say that he like prefers it now because now me and him are actually like friends we can have like a real relationship you know like and not to say that it's not a real relationship with your kid but like i don't know just like being able to like talk as like adults or whatever like he he personally prefers that. And I'm like, oh, that's like nice. Cause like, I know that he like enjoyed his time being a dad. He was a great dad, but it's like, it's awesome to be able to have that enduring relationship. So you have stuff to look forward to is all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. I, I anecdotally feel like I, I've heard a lot of men. I don't think this is true because I know A is a very active dad, but I've heard a lot of men say that they didn't even really feel like they, um, really began to relate to, to their kids until they were older. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, cause they were, you're sort of like, I think like gender roles, blah, blah, blah. You're sort of like detached from, um, not detached, but like you're not as attached as the woman in very early childhood. Right. Cause they yeah. have this, they have this thing going on that you like, can't quite experience. You can't experience. Like I, you know, right. I was, I told you guys, I got into Mary Harrington recently and she was like, talking about how like it took her like a year to not feel like her daughter wasn't like literally a part of her body. Um, And I don't think that men can really ever experience that, you know, specifically, but so anyway, anecdotally I've, I've heard men say that they, they felt like they bonded with their kids when they were older. And I hear more women say they miss that, uh, the closeness of, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I definitely very young childhood. (laughs) I can relate to that somewhat like i mean with my daughter who's older like she's two and a half now like i i mean i have a, I, I feel do genuinely like feel uh very connected to her um but i i can definitely feel that with like the newborn babies and like young baby like it it doesn't i didn't have that like instantaneous feeling of like oh like you know like i feel like mothers kind of tend to have that more in those like early days yeah, she said something that I went on. Oh, I was listening to like uh, when I was listening to her, Mary Harrington. I didn't know this, but I don't even know if it's true. I haven't looked it up. But she said the baby's DNA is in the mom for life. I was like, that's crazy. I remember hearing yeah. something interesting that was like not super related, <laughs> but maybe a little bit related. That like your like the eggs or whatever that like ultimately became like the kid or whatever 
are like in the grandma and then like in the mom or whatever. So like basically like once you're here, like it's actually like you were actually like in your grandma, like at one point, I don't know. I, I forget like the whole fucking like physiological <laughs> thing, but I was like, that's really beautiful. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. That kind of, that kind of makes, I kind of see it. I can kind of understand what that's getting at. Cause you're born with all your eggs. Yeah. Right? You're born with all the eggs you have. <laughs> and then you hit the wall. <laughs> <You're-> <laughs> <laughs> oh my god and then That'd men will send you though. empty end carding memes on twitter and then it's over <laughs> yeah Hit that wall and all your eggs just fall out yeah you turn 30 and it's fucking over <laughs> <laughs> uh, well not to bring it down <laughs> my, my, trans- my transition was going to be so what do you guys think about Sudan <laughs> I, was, I was like just, just to like sort of like like shoehorn like in a final Sudan has definitely hit the wall a final, <laughs> I was trying to shoehorn in a final topic do you think they're Ukraining Sudan or what they're having like a backup war <laughs> in case well, Sudan has always had shit going on. Like even at least since Obama, that's one of the things that's one of the other like psyop things about Ukraine is that it's like, Oh, Ukraine is like what, this new thing. It's like, we have shit going on in like all these other countries, like all the time. It's never even Ukraine things. wasn't new. Like there's been shit going on in Ukraine since like 2013, 2014. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of always, I mean, like, if you had said to me Ukraine pre this most recent thing, I would be like, oh, sounds, you know, like. <laughs> Probably think, like, oh, sounds a little Russian or whatever. You know, like, no, yeah. I was like. Or, like, there's, or there's countries that I'm, like, always, like, when someone's, like, Kazakhstan or, like, Uzbekistan, I'm like, oof. Really, no, at, like, the end really of 2021, when I was, like, being, like, super black-pilled about everything, and I was, like, a huge conspiracy theorist at that point, and then I, like. Like, recently I've become, like, a little bit less black-pilled. It's not that I don't, like, believe that all of this shit is happening. It's just, like, I'm not going down insane rabbit holes every day like I used to. Same, same. It's just, like, the status quo. Right, like, I'm just like, okay, fuck it. Like, I have to vibe. Like, I still have to vibe. But, like, yeah. So, like, at the end of 2021, I was convinced. And I'm still, like, they'll probably do this. But I just, like, don't want to think about it or whatever. But I was convinced that they were going to do, like, a cyber pandemic. And, you know, like, you know, the whole fucking great reset, like, you know, reset the financial system, crash the banks, like, da, 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 whatever. And I was convinced. That could definitely oh, it, it will. But, like, I mean, I hope it doesn't, yeah. but, like, I'll be shocked <laughs> if it doesn't. Anyway, whatever. All of that to say, I was, like, convinced at that time. And this was when I was still in the UK. And this was, like, part of why I wanted to move back to the US because I was just like, what am I doing here? I need to at least, like, be back home and, like, the family or whatever. But I was convinced that they were going to, like, you know, do some sort of cyber attack on the financial system and then blame it on Russia. And this was before, like, quote unquote, Russia invaded Ukraine, like Russia, quote unquote, invaded Ukraine, like in February 2022. But this was like end of 2021. And I, I, I feel like I posted at one point, this was on my like locked old account that I have like 100 followers on. So like, no one would have seen it. But it was like, hey, before, like, the CIA blames Russia on crashing our financial system, does anyone want to admit that they have a crush on me? <laughs> like, <laughs> whatever. 
damn that's some like real cassandra shit like yeah, i mean um, i like the, the name's not for not you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is weird because sometimes i like like i know this this is bad because this is me like really playing into their hands but i do think that like when crazy shit happens it engenders a type of nostalgia too like i do feel like I probably, I, I think this is true. I don't know. I, I, you guys can like drag me if you hate this, but I think it's true that I, I, a lot of people and maybe me included feel some nostalgia for like the super early first couple weeks of the pandemic because it felt like. Well, in a perverse like- way, I am definitely looking forward to like the next crazy psyop. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, but it, like, but it, like it- I'm, uh, this time I'll be um, fucking ready for that shit, you know? Yeah, but like you know, red when it was ha- some motherfuckers. When stuff happens, you're like, you're like, oh, you're like, it feels like very vital. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I was like, wow, this crazy thing is happening, and I have to respond to it, and like, you know, um, and I don't know what, I don't know what the next thing is gonna be. I don't think I'll miss it this time. I think I'll, I think I'll realize it's. I don't happening know. We'll we'll be on board this time, yeah. but like. I don't know, man. Like last time. Okay. So at the beginning of COVID, I was not like fully red pilled, but by the end I was, and I was in a total, we've talked about this before, like total lib community where like everyone treated me like I was batshit insane. Like literally anytime I tried to talk to anyone, they treated me like I was like a fucking mental patient. And I'm like, oh God. Okay. If this happens again, cause I think it will like, so it's not if it's when, like when this happens again, I need to have some community around me. Like at that point, that like don't do that so (laughs) let's hope that that's the case by that time i don't know (laughs) i hope they don't pandemic again though like i don't want another i don't think they can honestly i don't think they can i think they fucked it with the vaccines they can if it's something like smallpox though because that's something that's like actually bad you know but i well yeah i mean that would be horrible I think it's unlikely for several reasons, but the main one just being that like it would be unpredictable if just like a huge percentage of the population all just like died, you know, at the same time, whereas like it's so much easier to just control like a fake pandemic where, you know, it's just all like media driven and like, yeah, and kill it and kill a bunch of people, old people who are out of the workforce anyway. So it doesn't like, yeah, it's just not as yeah. insanely like destabilizing or whatever. But maybe that's just cope, you know. No, I mean I want to believe that, and I like I think that that has like a lot of truth to it. But then also like the schizo side of me is like, why is Bill Gates constantly hinting about smallpox? So... <laughs> yeah. Well, he's gonna do something weird with the food. But I was actually reading he's not the, he has a ton of land, but he's not the largest. Um, landowner there are people okay with more small landowners. small uh, reassurances <laughs> no but it's the people the people who had more the people who had more land than him were actually freaking me out even more because i was reading about them and it's like all the, it's like most of them are like these families that, that where these millions of acres have been passed down to them from like the 1800s like they've just been passed down in these like trusts and i'm like oh that's doesn't that doesn't sound good 
these people sound maybe even more evil than Bill Gates. <laughs> I was like, they sound they sound even worse, you know. <laughs> I was like, what are they doing with and it? And you never that's, heard of them, yeah. That, and I've never heard yeah. of them, so that's that seems even scarier. I'm like, why why are they so like? Why can I find like almost nothing about them? Online? Oh my god, yeah. When that's you can find like nothing about someone online, I'm like, this is sus. like we we live in a time where we should be able to find shit about people. <laughs> Yeah, because people have always said he's the largest private landowner of uh, far of farmland. So I googled it, and he's like actually like eight, and then like all like one through seven, I like didn't even. Like, oh no! And like rich people, they were all names I didn't even know. Like very wealthy people can do a really good job of like hiding their internet presence because like they have like fucking like mm-hmm. lawyers and shit. Like they have people on it to like scrub the internet of stuff that they don't want. Like common citizens can't do that. Like the rest of us have our fucking like if you google our names like our whole address is going to show up on some background check website but like they can get rid of that we can't you know so yeah well when i become a landlord which is my newest quest <laughs> i'm gonna, I'm gonna it's stop. actually really smart you should absolutely do that i know i've been talking about it with my partner because i'm like i'm like the only way that i think we're ever gonna like get the like the lifestyle that I want because like we're never gonna like inherit money or anything I'm like we need to like the other older adults I know who have that lifestyle pretty much all are like just to have like multiple investment properties <laughs> that they like rent out I know like multiple adults and they're like 50s who are kind of like living that life and I'm like it really Passive worked out for income, them yeah. yeah they're like they're like small time landlords they basically are running like Actually, a lot of them in Austin. They have like five or six places in Austin. They either Airbnb or rent out. And I'm like, it really worked out for them. It's really a solid retirement plan. I will say the Airbnb that I stayed at in Austin was like amazing. I was like, I would live here. Like, (laughs) maybe you stayed at my uh, my friend's parents. I don't know. I I, (laughs) one one of of their Airbnb. Whoever it was, I gave her a great review. (laughs) Great. You know, I stand the uh, Airbnb landlord as long as their place is nice. Yeah. Do you guys want to wrap it up a little early? We, we got over an hour, and I I have a few things I have to do. But how are you guys feeling? I'm fine with that. I'm a tie tie babby. Okay. In a minute, so we could do some like yeah. Let's do some. Let's time. do some friend time. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, bye, listeners. We're going to go to the secret combo now. <laughs> Love you guys. That one you have to subscribe on Patreon. <laughs> you have to subscribe on OnlyFans for that one, actually. <laughs> <laughs>